Hello? Put that online in the chat, somebody. We'll stop venting when you start praying because we don't need God's, we don't need other sympathy. We need God's strength. Amen. Oh, that's good preaching right there, Pastor. I'm enjoying my preaching already. But what I feel led of the Lord to tell you is that I feel like these last, this, this last week and or so of prayer and fasting, God told me to pray for the prodigals, pray them home. And so I'm going to light a candle at the end of the service today for the prodigals. And um, I believe God's going to turn some around. I believe we're going to take some time here and God's going to turn them around in Jesus' name. And my mother-in-law said she was going into special prayer and fasting for prodigals this year. And she wants to see some great things happen. And I'm just going to join in all those prayers. I, I believe Jesus is coming back. How about you? And how many know we need to get our kids home and we need to get our family saved? Amen. So it's important. If you'd stand to your feet with me, we'll go to the word of the Lord. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. I was supposed to start the creation series this week. I do apologize. I am very sorry that the Lord has changed my message and my series set up. Last week, I had a lovely sermon prepared called Wings for Sale. I was going to talk about how God needs the minister in the church. He needs us to become the gospel carriers, amen, and how he called the pastors in Revelation angels of the churches and how we have a heavenly hope. So I know we don't get wings necessarily when we get to heaven, we get a glorified body, but the Lord changed that message and I preached probably off of 15 minutes of note preparation because the Lord changed my message. Uh, preachers, I don't know what you're coming into, but you're going to find out that sometimes God changes your message and makes you feel very uncomfortable. Again, I had plans for this Sunday. The Lord said, that's nice. But I got something else for you to preach. And this is not an easy sermon to preach. Thank God we're in prayer and fasting so we can be obedient to the word of the Lord. Because um, I may have just said, well, we'll do that one another time. We'll put that back. The word of the Lord's anointed. We'll preach another passage. But this is what the Lord gave me. I hope it's not too heavy for you. And if it is too heavy for you, I would tell you toughen up. <laughs> toughen up. This is going to be some boot camp today. Get ready. Put your boots on. We're going to it. Are you ready? Let's go to Matthew 7, verse 1. Here we go. Judge not, lest you be judged. It won't be hellfire and brimstone, I promise. Judge not, lest you be judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will, you will be judged. I'm sorry, I can't read that because of the lighting in my eyes. Can you give it to me on the screen? Thank you so much. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, ye shall be measured. It shall be measured to you again. Next verse. All right. We'll see if I can read it from here. And how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look at a plank in your own eye. In other words, what he's saying is, how can you judge somebody else when you have so much to take care of in your own life? You're trying to ask for someone or help someone remove a plank in their eye and you have a speck, or a speck in their eye and you have a plank in yours. And then Jesus in red letters says, hypocrite. First, remove the plank from your own eye. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. And then a verse that we wouldn't expect to be there follows after that. Ask, and it shall be given. You seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. After he talks about judgment 
and turning your inspection on yourself in your spiritual clarity of understanding of how am I walking with God? Am I the real deal? Am I just living the Christian title or am I really a saint of God? When you turn it to inspect yourself, he said, then you will have the clarity to ask and you will be given it, to seek and you will find it, and to knock and it shall be opened. He gives a requirement that until you turn and start doing some self-searching, you will ask amiss. But when you start living for God because you want to be the real deal, you will start asking and God will start doing. You will start seeking and you will start finding. Miracles will open up because it says ask. And literally the, the original language says ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking until it opens. And I've come to tell somebody today that God is the judge. And he is going to change all of us in this fasting and time of prayer. And we have to give him back the gavel. We cannot judge this situation on our limited mindset, our limited knowledge. He is all-knowing, and he is the best to judge where his church is, is at right now in the earth and what needs to happen in our lives. Because judgment needs to start at the house of God. Amen. Jesus, give us a word from the Lord, a seed to be sown, a thing that leaves here and stays in our hearts and lives out in us, each one of us having the opportunity not to judge somebody else but to say, change me, O Lord. Change me and make me new, I pray. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. The media team would bring me my posting note that has my different scriptures on it. I'd appreciate that. Give God the gavel back. I was just kind of reading through an article of Sister Vesta Mangan, and she said, why don't, why don't, isn't it time? Why don't we give the gavel back? And it just struck me. And I started looking at how beautiful the scriptures are. And I want you to know that there is so much in scripture. Thank you so much, Seth. Let's give Seth a big hand for helping out with the media team. And uh, <laughs> what I started to realize was that there is so much in the Scripture talking about the righteous judge, that God is a righteous judge, amen, that he is a God who does not, even though the ark is long sometimes, there will be justice served to every Hitler to every person, to every situation, to every circumstance. Justice will be done or he is not a just God. Amen? How many know that all of your deeds will one day be judged before God, that you will stand before the Lord and give account for your life? And in doing so, you better have the blood of Jesus applied. Amen? It sure messed me up when I thought about all the things that I'm going to have to be accountable to God for. But when I realized that God cannot look below the blood of Jesus Christ, that God will never go underneath the table and bring up all of the things you did if you have been baptized in the lovely name of Jesus. The Bible says that the name invoked over your life applies the blood of the Lamb. It's not where you were baptized. It's not how you were baptized. I'm not preaching this because it's in my notes. I feel an anointing to preach it right now, but I want you to know I've seen people baptized in scuzzy ponds. Amen. I've seen people baptized where they had to break the ice and they dipped them and had to find out were they just cold or are they really speaking in tongues. Amen. I, I've seen situations that are so rare that you wouldn't even believe baptized in hot tubs, baptized in somebody's pool. It doesn't matter where you get baptized, running water or pond water. It does not matter. The water does not cleanse you. It's the agent of the name of Jesus. Jesus is the detergent factor of the name of the Most High. He is the one that died on the cross for you. So it's his name that is applied in baptism. He is the whole reason why you are getting baptized. It doesn't matter if it's cold water or it's warm water. It doesn't matter if it's a sunny day or a rainy day. Nothing
nothing compares to that when you put the name of Jesus into the process. When you invoke the name of Jesus over somebody's life, you're applying something that allows them to stand before God with confidence and say, not my works, not the book of my life, but I have my name written in the Lamb's book of life. In other words, it's Jesus's life that is now going to be placed on my life. It's his book of perfect life lived on the earth that now shall be in my life. Amen. I'm so thankful that I know that he's a righteous judge, but I'm so willing to give back the gavel to him today and say, Jesus, do what only you can do with it. I'm interested in telling you a couple stories. One of the men that are in the Bible that took the man that was paralyzed to Jesus. And I want to give you a couple points from that story. These four men of faith, they picked up their friend. Luckily, they had this man had friends that knew where Jesus was. I want you to know you need to be that friend that knows how to get to Jesus. To this world that's hurting and dying, you need to be the friend that knows how to find Jesus. When they come to you, you better know how to get to Jesus. Amen? And so they got to Jesus, but the room was full. And I can tell you there's a couple points I want to make. Number one is don't be bitter at those that have gotten there first. Don't be bitter at those that have their blessings before you. Don't be bitter at those that are driving nicer things or doing better things in the kingdom before you got there. The number one thing you need to do is realize, hear the word of the Lord, that when the door is closed in front of you, you have to go higher. Amen? There is a door still open. You may have to make a door in the ceiling to get to Jesus. But if you have enough determination, don't be bitter at those that got there early. Just keep climbing. Climb higher. Climb higher in prayer. Climb higher in fasting, and eventually you will find the blessing of the Lord and the miracle power of God. I don't care if you have to tear the roof off. You must want Jesus that bad. You've got to have the want to. Nobody can give you a want to. Nobody can say, hey, why don't you start studying the word of God? We can provide every environment, every life group, every possibility for you to succeed spiritually, and you still fail. And the reason why you can still fail is because you have to have the want to, amen? These guys had a want to. They had faith to believe if they could just get their friend to Jesus, he would be the answer. And that's still true today because he does not change. But when the door was blocked, they took him higher. When something happens and you feel a door is closed, I pray we will take our friends to Jesus through prayer and fasting, that we'll go to a higher level, amen? But the Bible says that Jesus saw their faith. Everybody say saw. And there's an example in Mark chapter 2, I believe it is. Um, we, we know that, yes, Mark chapter 2, 1 through 12. If you give me those scriptures, media team, I want to read through them. And the house was full. Jesus had gone into Capernaum to do something, and he turned into a house. And again, he entered into Capernaum, his favorite place to be. After some days... And it was noise that he was in the house. Go to the next verse. And straightway many were gathered together inasmuch as there was no room to receive them. Not, no, not so much as about the door. In other words, there were people there that were friends of Jesus. There were people there that just came to see this Jesus. They had heard of him. There were people that were sick there hoping to have a miracle done and have their sickness taken away. There were people there that were skeptics. They had come to hear and see Jesus as well. There were people that were so enamored with him and had heard so many great things that they just wanted to get inside the room and just stand there and just watch Jesus teach. They heard so much of him. There were scribes and Pharisees that had come to find fault with Jesus. They were all there and the house was full. And he preached the word unto them. Next verse. And they came unto him bringing one sick of the palsy. It was a paralytic disease. His legs would not move and arms, which was born of four. In other words, these four men, they don't even give them the name. They're just four heroes in Scripture. And when they could not come nigh unto him he, for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. In other words, they went down to the city. They got a building permit. They got authorization by the city to tear the roof off. They brought in the crew. You notice that they were interested in getting the man to Jesus regardless of the rules. 
And then Jesus saw that. Mark uses an interesting word when he says Jesus saw their faith. He uses a noun or a verb about four times in the chapters of Mark. And every time it's something that someone sees, that literally faith is visible in your actions. If you're not doing anything, but you say you believe in Jesus Christ, you are not really having true faith, brothers and sisters. Because faith without works is dead. Understand me, there is a step to take. When you believe in Jesus Christ, there are more steps to take, brothers and sisters. There is a place where your faith is shown through your actions, what you do. And Jesus loved this about these four beady eyes staring in from the ceiling. He looked up and he saw their faith. And when he saw their faith, get it, brothers and sisters, he didn't look at the man's faith before he gave him the miracle. He looked at their faith and gave him the miracle. In other words, your faith can bring a miracle to a family member. Your faith can bring a miracle to someone who is not saved. Your faith can bring a miracle to someone who is sick and in need of a miracle. Your faith that's shown in your actions can bring something to pass that this person would never have had it not been for those four heroes who tore off the roof. And the son man said, thy sins be forgiven thee. You think that that was what they came for? You think that the man of God, Jesus, God in a body, the healer of all healers, would have started with the condition of the man's body. As a healer, he would have picked out the most important thing was to raise the man up, amen? But God did not choose that. God began to judge from the inside out. And that is how he always works. And we can be upset about it. We can pull the gavel and say, no, Lord, I don't want you to judge me first and then judge the world. But that is not how God works. He always goes to the most important thing first. And that's why he said, thy sins be forgiven thee. Because it was more difficult for him to forgive the sins of the man than it was for him to release him from a paralyzed body. And the scribes are going, no, he didn't just say that, did he? He did not just forgive that man his sins because only God can do that. And they had a problem with Jesus calling himself God because anything born in time is limited to time. Anything born in time has to have a beginning and an end in time. But when he said, I'm God in flesh, he said, I not only am in a body right now, but I can still be Father in heaven too. I not only can be in this time frame and do this miracle, but I want you to recognize that when I say thy sins be forgiven thee, I'm acting as God in a body. That means I'm stepping out of time and I can die on the cross for him and I can fulfill the punishment of every single timeline of anyone born in time and dying in time. If they are not saved, they are in judgment to an eternal damnation. But when God died on the cross, he was not only a body dying as the lamb, but he was God remedying every single timeline of judgment all at the same time. Do you understand? He stands outside of time, but he's in a body and he says watch this I'm going to mess with these scribes he said thy sins be forgiven thee and they got messed up and Jesus started talking to him and said is it easier to say sins forgiven thee or be healed and he was trying to tell them I am God in a body because they had a problem they had a problem on their hands they said anything born of a woman born in time is going to die in time and God does not die God cannot die so there is no way that he is God in a body. This is heresy. This is not right. And all of their religion taught them wrong because they didn't understand what they were dealing with. That God is not only the one who came with grace, but he's also the God with a gavel in his hand. That he can stand there and he can judge somebody in earth as being released from their eternal damnation and their sin. While on top of that, flipping over to a man of compassion and a man of grace and healing his body. He was both God and Christ in that moment. He was both father and son. He was both healer and redeemer all at the same time. 
Jesus is able to do more than we can even imagine or think. And he's trying to convince them all the way through his ministry, God in a body. I'm God in a body. And they're like, you can't be God in a body. He's like, yes, the body is the flesh, the son. It is begotten and it shall die. But I am still God, eternal spirit in that body. So understand that I can go to a cross and this body can die and you can be recovered for the first time ever when I judge my people there's a blood there's a sacrifice there's something standing in between the wrath of God and the outpouring of judgment on sin it's Jesus Christ and he said I love him this much I don't want him taken out of heaven I don't want to take him I don't want to lose them I want to die for them and so he came and he died for us and I'm so thankful for that Jesus saw their faith then he healed, he forgave the man, then he healed him. Can I ask you a question? What do you think was going through the head of those men? And you probably heard this story preached every which way but Sunday. Maybe Sunday too. <laughs> every which way but down and up. And I wonder if those men on the roof were like, they sins be forgiven. He, what did he just say? <laughs> We had to carry him all the way here. And the other brother's like, I think he said that sins be forgiven thee. I was kind of hoping he'd heal those legs. <laughs> we and the other brother's like, well, I guess we're carrying him home. <laughs> Everybody get a Gatorade. We got some work to do. Then Jesus looked up and he saw their faith. He said, if you believed enough to tear off a roof, if you believed enough to step out, what can I ask you, what would you do if you were convinced that God would step in? What would you be, what would you put in action if you were convinced that God would not let it fail? Oh, but preacher, I have lived for the Lord for many years and I have believed God for something and it didn't happen. That's what these brothers were doing. Standing on the roof, believing God for healing. And Jesus says, thy sins be forgiven thee. Talk about deflating, right? <laughs> for them, they're like, no, that's not what we came for. <laughs> what, can I ask you, what do you do when God gives you something that you didn't ask for? What do you do when you get disappointed what do you do whenever you're dealing with something because you thought you'd be launched already? You thought you'd have this business. Or you thought you'd be more successful. You thought your bank account would look different. You thought you would have a, a situation that was more lucrative or you thought you'd have a marriage that would last forever and now you have a divorce on your name. What, what do you do when you don't get what you thought would happen in life? Do you pick up the gavel and do you start judging it yourself? Well, that didn't happen. <laughs> I'm going to judge this myself. I'm going to minimize my expectations on God. I'm going to take my faith and I'm going to lower my faith in what God can do because I've been disappointed too many times. Your faith will break if your expectations are not flexible. You have to know that. You know how many times I have come to this church going, oh, I feel it today. We're going to have a fiery move of God. And 15 people show up. <laughs> you know what that's like for a preacher? It messes you up. And you can pick up the gavel and go, I don't know that this is working. I don't know that this is making a difference. We're just spinning our wheels here. Or you can leave the gavel in God's hands and let him do the work. And just trust him. You're not asked to pay to play here. This isn't, this isn't you getting receipts so that you can leverage God and twist his arm to get what you want. That is not what's going on here, brothers and sisters. You are called to be obedient and available. And whatever happens, you leave the gavel in God's hands and let him be the judge. You don't judge it too early when you don't know what's all at play, brothers and sisters. I've come to this church and I've had days like that where I left and said, well, let's go have good lunch 
because it seems like it wasn't the best of services. And then we get a call later that day and somebody was watching online or somebody watched it later that week and there was a miracle take place. They started speaking in tongues in their own living room. God poured out his spirit upon them and we didn't even know what was happening. And there's other days where I came to church like today and I'm a little bit physically exhausted, but I'm like, God can do anything. God can do anything. And 10 people get the Holy Ghost in this altar at a kid's rally. God can do anything if you don't arrest the gavel and start judging for yourself. Preacher, I tried this. I tried this. I, I, I read my Bible. I did what it said. I, I tried to clean up. I tried to do what I needed to do. And it didn't work. It doesn't work, preacher. How many have had that happen? How many had the spirit of the enemy speak into your life and say, this just isn't working? And at that moment, you have to make a choice. Are you going to take the gavel and judge where you're at? Are you going to let God do it? Some, something that's really strange to me is when people ask me that question as a pastor. I'm sorry, I'm getting out of the scope of the camera. I got to get back over here. Stop getting so excited. People ask me, preacher, I've tried it. It doesn't work. How long have you tried? You've been, you've been out of the world for three months? You've been living for Jesus for a year? You were living in the world for 20 years, getting drunk on Friday night, getting smashed on Saturday, sleeping through Sunday? That stuff didn't work. It wrecked your life, lost your job, lost your family, lost your marriage. That didn't work. And you're going to run back to that? <laughs> that's, that's your plan? You're going to run back to a snort, run back to a drink, run back to a smoke? Because you don't see it working in three months? I tell you what, give God 20 years and then look back. And let him have the gavel for 20 years. Is it time we gave God the gavel back and let him be the judge of what's happening in our life? Is it time we let him be God and be a righteous judge? Give him 20 years and watch what he'll do. He'll give you blessing. He'll give you anointing over your life. He'll give you strength. You'll look back and see where you should have fell apart. You'll look back where they should have carried you off to some mental institution and he kept your mind from breaking. He kept your heart from breaking. He kept your heart from falling apart. I know there's things that happen where we're broken hearted, but if we go to Jesus, he will judge it properly for us. Give God the gavel back. Stop running back to stuff that doesn't work because you think this doesn't work. This does work. It's the most beautiful life you'll ever have walking with Jesus. It is the most peace you'll ever know in troubled times. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. To walk with God. Let God see your faith by leaving the gavel in his hands. You're not called to judge. You're called to be available and faithful. Just be obedient to the word of God. This word is the judge. Stop judging people outside in the world. Start judging from the house of God and his word. Start putting it on your own life. That is what the scripture says in 1 Peter 4.17. I'm taking a hard right. Hang on. I'm almost done. The Bible says that judgment is supposed to begin at the house of God. We not only have to give God the gavel back, we have to be okay with being real Christians in a world full of fake. There's, there's so much disinformation we know that there is truth somewhere, and I tell you the truth is in the Word of God. I tell you this Bible is ordained of God, and whenever the Scripture says that it is now time, that word time right there, it is now time, for the time is come. That word time is not chronos in the original language, meaning the, the, the marking of time, chronological time, the ticking of the clock. That is not what that means. That word time is kairos, which means pay attention. There's something happening right now in the spiritual world that you need to know about. And in this time of prayer and fasting, I want to tell you, this is a kairos moment in this church. This is a kairos moment in your life. There is something happening right now we need to pay attention to. We need to give God the gavel back, and we need to get spiritually on fire for God. We need to do everything we can do to be a, a, a 
a burning inferno for Jesus Christ. I know that's cliche, but forgive me. He said, for the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, everybody say us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? Oh, what a warning. Then it says, and if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God. Hello, somebody. Suffering can be in the will of God. Oh, we don't like that word, but it's so true. Brother Reese hit it on the head today when he said pain is sometimes the thing that does the best work in us through Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to understand that the suffering we're in in this world, when we lose our jobs or we lose situations of comfort due to an out-of-control world, that a world that has spun backwards and is promoting lies, that we are going to suffer in the will of God because of the fact that we are people of truth. Do you understand that? That they're turning against truth in our world. And I'm not just trying to create a separation between us and them. What I'm saying is the Word of God says it. That God will give us times where we're going to be in environments where we have to be judged first at the house of God because the world is going to get so backwards and so twisted that the Kairos time will come when we need to be the ones who say, Lord, if you're going to start judgment, start judgment with me. Make me real. Make me honest. Make me wholesome. Make me holy. Make me what you want me to be. I don't want to be a Christian in title. I want to be a Christian because I'm like you, Jesus. I want to walk after you. I want to live for you. I want to be real in every place of my life. It is now time. And so then God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. I was looking and building the stuff for the creation series, and I came to that word creator. The reason why you cannot take the gavel and judge something is because, A, you don't have enough knowledge. As smart as we are, some of you have degrees. I appreciate that. You have fundamental and exceptional degrees. But also, he says that he is able to judge because of his authority. And the reason why I said stop judging the world is because you do not have authority to judge them. The church is given a authority to start judgment in the house of God first and then go out. Start here, brothers and sisters, is what I'm saying. Number two is God is saying you do not have the right to judge something unless you're given authority to judge it. And the only way that you're given authority to judge it is if God gives you the authority. That's why when you're full of the Holy Ghost, the Bible says the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. In other words, you can judge what spirit walks in the room because you're full of the Holy Ghost and God has given you the authority to judge the spirits that walk in on people. Amen? So you don't have the right to carry the gavel because you're just a good Christian. You have the right to carry the gavel and decide and spirit discern what comes in the room as spiritual because you have been given the authority of the power of the Holy Ghost in your life. Understand the need and essentiality of the Holy Ghost. You do not get to determine what things are going on in the natural and spiritual world unless you have the authority of God living inside of you. That is what gives you the ability to judge spiritual things, amen, to know whether there's a tongue and interpretation and you judge it whether it is is from God or not, the Holy Ghost gives you that authority to judge it, but you cannot take that gavel and use it to distort the Word of God or change the things about the Word or manipulate people. That is not what God chose to do with the Spirit in filling. He chose to give you the Spirit so that you could judge the right, the right path for you. You could judge the right way to go for your life, that He can help you to live a godly and holy life amen and so when you give back the gavel you're saying i don't have the authority to do these things but if god gives me the authority i will do it according to the word of god and so we see that there are christians here in the first peter that he's trying to encourage 
that you're going to go through some things, that there's going to be some difficult things that the culture turns against you for. How many know the culture has turned against the church? That we're dealing with things right now that comfortability is gone, brothers and sisters. I hope you think it's not coming back. I, I pray that you know that the acceptance of the church is not coming back in the world. It's gone. And Peter was saying, don't throw in the towel. Don't give up just because culture has turned against the church. Don't give up just because there are things we have to be careful not to say online. And believe me, I'd like to say a lot of things. And I get some holy boldness every once in a while, and I go, well, we'll see if that shuts down the YouTube channel. <laughs> but even though we understand that the world has turned against the church, they are going to be more vocal in the lies that they promote. Amen? Because lie, a lie has to be yelled, and truth can be whispered. Understand that. Whoever is the loudest in the room, the chances are they probably have something that's been manipulated that they're trying to get you to do. If you have to be coerced, if you have to be talked into it, if you have to be uh, wrangled into something, the chances are it could be a lie, brothers and sisters. And when you are going to live for God, the Bible says it's time for judgment to start at the house of God. What does that even mean? Why would God start here? Because I don't, I don't see why God would start judgment at his people when he should be judging the sins of the world. I, be, I believe there's judgment coming on our planet. I do believe that. I believe judgment is coming on the sin of this world, the, the billions of babies that have been aborted, all of those different things. I understand that. But don't be so fixated on what is going on around you that you miss what God is doing in the church. Because he starts at the church. He's saying it's time to, <clears throat> the clear, I think it, the clarity comes whenever you understand that it's your faith that is pushing you into places of persecution. It's your, your stand for God that's going to cause you to see abuse in this world. And so the full-time Christians are going to see more struggle in life than the part-time saints. Understand that when you start making noise now with the truth, you're going to have a target on your back. That's just the way it's going to be. And this year, we're talking about a theme for this year of standing together. And we're going to do some rising up, amen. We're going to do some things where we stand up and we say, whatever it is, let the judgment begin at the house of the Lord and go outward, amen. If you are a follower of truth, you have an opportunity today to stand in the face of a culture that says that moral standards are fluctuating and gender and sex are not the same thing and can be decided upon throughout how you feel, whether more masculine or more feminine. You have the right to stand and reject the efforts to pull people apart and to create division in not only politics, but in every area of life. The enemy, the devil, seeks to divide and destroy. Amen? That is a tactic of the enemy. God is a God of togetherness. God is a God who brings people in. Amen? How I would have gathered you together, Jerusalem, as a chick would under as a as a chick would be gathering his as a as a mother hen would gather her chicks. Thank you for help for the front row. But you're going to have to reject evolution. You're going to have to reject non-Christian worldview. You're going to have to reject what culture deems as legitimate, right, and appropriate. You're going to have to reject abortion. You're going to have to reject hatred and racism. You're going to have to reject all of these things. Because that is what they are saying. And screaming the loudest are the problem. But really, the problem is we've taken judgment into our own hands. And we've decided what is right and wrong. And God is still the God of right and wrong. Amen. There's going to be some circumstances that work against the church. This is the hard part that I was having trouble with preaching today. I didn't want to come to the pulpit and say these things because I'm a very positive person. And I spend time praying and I seek God and I get excited. And I want God to do great things in everybody's life in this room. But we have to take a stand, brothers and sisters. Sooner or later, we're going to have to take a stand. No matter who's firing the shots at us, we got to stand up and be the uprising before we are the uprising going home. Amen? 
stand. We have to stand up and be the people of God. They're gonna get, we're going to get unjust treatment. We're going to get people that say that we're in the wrong, and we are the reason why there's a problem. Understand that in the scripture here where it says it's a time in 1 Peter, it's a time for us to be Christians and judgment to begin at the house of God. It was exactly when Nero had set fire. If you know the history, Nero had set fire to a merchant shop and it spread out of control and started burning. And he decided he needed to blame somebody for it, so he blamed the Christians. And I tell you, the Christians are going to get blamed for a whole lot of stuff we didn't do in this last day. You're going to have to take a stand. You're going to have to wear the title real, amen? You're going to have to be a child of God, not just a fake saint. Hello, somebody. There is no more fake available. You cannot hide whether you're a Christian or not anymore. You can't slip into Monday and Tuesday in the shadows and come out with your worship on Sunday. It cannot be done that way anymore. There's too much cancel culture out there. There's too many non-Christian voices speaking to silence Christian voices. There's way too much narrative versus truth, brothers and sisters. It doesn't matter if you have the truth. It only matters how many people believe the narrative. It doesn't work that way anymore in our world. It is now a time we cannot be abandoning our post, brothers and sisters. We cannot leave the embassy in this earth of the Christian church. We have to be people of principle still. We have to be people of faith still. We have to be people of the word still. We have to be people that give God the gavel back and say, he is my savior, whether they come against me or not. I wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. It's not us against them. It's us against spiritual darkness, brothers and sisters. God needs us to give back the gavel. Don't judge them. Judge it spiritually. You've got the Holy Ghost in you. Judge it for what it is. It is a spiritual attack, and we must fight back. Amen. The embassy in Kuwait has been abandoned since we left there, and there's people on each side of the divide, Republicans, Democratic, whoever, that say that we did it wrong or we did it right. But the truth of the matter is there is no place for people to run to in Kuwait that is American soil for them to stand on and say, I'm safe. There's no longer a place like that in that country. And we are the church, the embassy of God in the earth. And we better be here when the world realizes it's not working, when the world realizes it's falling apart we better be here as a church who has a righteous judge and who is able to bring safety and peace to their spiritual life I love what kindness he has for me. I love what grace he has for me. But I also have to be strong enough as a Christian to run to the church, to run to God, and to be the one who's still standing when the, church, when the world runs back to the Lord. Amen. There still has to be an embassy in the church. An embassy in foreign countries is a place where they speak a different language, but they're in that country anyways, where they learn how to talk to the people, even though they have a different native language. An embassy is where there are different things that are counter culture to the place where they're at. That is the church, brothers and sisters. We are here as God's embassy. We speak in tongues as the Holy Ghost came. We have a different primary language. You are not a body with a spirit. You're a spirit with a body. You're a Holy Ghost filled child of God, and you're number one language is not English. It is the Holy Ghost that is in you. English will die when this body goes in the ground, but I will speak a heavenly language in eternity, brothers and sisters. We are the representatives of God on this earth. We speak two languages. We try to reach them and pull them out of the fire while we speak our heavenly language as well. We are the people of the church who are not only there in their culture, but we have a different culture. We are counter culture as a church literally just being the church of the living God we shall be attacked and we have to understand that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus no matter what it looks like we're winners in the end 
If they go to the Colosseum and die at the tooth of a lion, or they die at the sword, or they die because of the attack of the enemy, whatever it is, we are still victors because we're going home. This is only the embassy. This is only representing the authority of our homeland. We are people of the name and of the spirit. And we have to be here. We have to be here when it gets bad enough. When it gets bad enough out there for them to run home, where are they going to run to if the church isn't still real? If we're not still really the people of God, if we're not coming here pretending one week and being something different the next, if we're not so bitter and picked up the gavel and decided what works and what doesn't for ourselves, but we just listen to cute messages on a Sunday, we will not be the church of the living God. We will not be a beacon of hope. When you're in a foreign country and that country's government crumbles, you can run to the embassy. We still have to be the embassy, brothers and sisters. We still have to be the church. I'm not preaching hold the fort. We are going to advance into the kingdom. I still feel in my spirit that I want to attack the gates of hell with a water pistol. I still feel that. But before you go running after that stuff, understand we have to be who we are in Christ Jesus right here. We have to keep the doors open, the lights on, the spirit moving, the light of God in our life. We have to keep the candle of the Lord lit, the Holy Spirit moving, the power of God falling. We have to do all of that because when it gets bad enough, they will know where to run to. When it gets dark enough, they will know the light to run to. God, give us that spirit. God, give us that anointing to be the real people. It's no time to be spiritual punks. It's no time to be spiritual chumps. we got to live it. we got to believe it. we got to walk it. we got to talk it. And no matter the consequences, our heavenly home is better than this home. We're only here here representing their brothers and sisters we are the ambassadors of Christ we speak a different language and when we have nothing to say here and everything is coming against us there we bow a knee and remember our homeland a place where we're going that I'm homesick for though I've never been there a place that my spirit knows but my body has not seen and someday in my flesh I shall see God this is the reward of the saint who is real, real people. Why does judgment begin at the house of God? Because God wants to make his people real in the last day. If the church is the only place that still has the truth, then people will flock to it in the last day. If the church is the only place where there really is true people walking with God, that's why he begins judgment at the house of God, because he wants his church to be the beacon for revival. Lord, help us to be here in the greatest day of prodigals coming home. Lord, help us to be here in prayer and in fasting. I know it's not comfortable. I know it's not easy. But help us to be the real people. Musicians, come. Somebody help me. I got to get out of this sermon, but let's light this candle. In the name of Jesus, bring the prodigals home. In the name of Jesus. In the name, devil's trying to fight me. <laughs> devil's trying to fight me with the matches. Devil's a liar. We're going to like this candle. Hello, somebody. We're going to like this party. We're going to have a Holy Ghost party till Jesus comes, and whoever wants to be a part of a real thing, they're going to come and be a part of it. Won't you stand to your feet today? I know I've done a lot of yelling. I don't apologize. This is the power of God. It is Kairos. It is time. It is time that we see God begin the judgment at the house of the Lord. Don't judge lest you be judged is what the scripture says. In other words, whatever you judge out, that same thing is pointing three fingers back at you. You better be living it, brothers and sisters. You better be living it. And if you're not living it, you will fail. You will fall to the side. You will say it's too hard. You will look at the people attacking you and not see that it's a spiritual fight. You can look in the eyes of your enemy with love if you know it's a spiritual battle. You can say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do if it's a spiritual battle. Jesus did it. That's what we have to do. So we pray for the prodigals in the name of Jesus. Lord, we come to you on everybody who's turned their hearts to something that does not satisfy. 
we come to you on behalf of a church that still has a light in it, a church that still preaches the name of Jesus, a church that still preaches. I know there's a lot of churches having Sunday service, but Lord, if you're going to begin judgment, I know you're going to start at the house of the Lord. And I'm okay with that. I give back the gavel. Come on, give back. You've been judging situations. You've been judging family members. Like, why is this happening this way? Give the gavel back to the Lord right now. In the name of Jesus, I open this altar. If you want to pray for a prodigal, you come. If you want to let go of a situation, you've taken the gavel in your hand and you said, I want it this way, Jesus. I want it to happen like this. I want the paralyzed man to get up. And Jesus said, no, I'm going to start a work in you so that I can start to work through you. I'm going to forgive your sins. If you've ever prayed for something to happen someplace else and God turns it back on you, it's because he wants you to be a spiritual man or woman of God. He wants you to work out some stuff in you before he does the, the miracle power. He's saying to you today, He's saying to you today, be a real Christian. Be the real man or woman of God you want to be. Lay down the stuff that's distracting. Lay down the stuff that's pulling you away. Give Jesus the gavel back. Let him be the judge. He's the only one qualified. I don't know why you were disappointed. I don't know why your expectations have to flex. I don't know why you have to change. But sometimes there's more than we know at play. Sometimes there's more than we know going on. And I trust you, God, the all-knowing Savior, to give me what I need when I ask. Come on, somebody ask the Lord to forgive your sins today become real in the presence of the Lord. Become authentic. Become a transparent Christian today. I need you, Jesus. Turn the prodigal home today, God. Turn the prodigal home today, God. Turn the prodigal home today. Whatever led them away from Jesus, us to be here, God, when they turn back. When the prodigal steps on the property, let us put an arm around them. Let us love them when they come home.